Good morning, everyone. Uh, I am Tanya. This is my husband, Paul. Fellowship time with you. Grateful to be here. Uh, it was really neat that you guys started out with uh, Light of the World. That is one of the songs that we've been singing at VBS as we've been sharing about Jesus as the light with the kids. So that really touched my heart this morning. So thank you for leading us in that. Um, we are so grateful that you guys are partnering with us, so we want you guys to know how much we appreciate you um, supporting us. We, we appreciate that you pray and that you journey along with us. It is such an encouragement to us and to the ministry in Romania, so thank you for being such um, devoted partners with us. We, we appreciate all that you do, and, and we're excited now that we get to meet you here face-to-face and share a little more about, about the ministry. Um, we've been there since 2014. It's almost been two years. Uh, And our story goes long before that. um, And the story with the NAB and the ABA goes long before that. Um, But my first trip to Romania was in 2011. And that's when Paul Paul and I were able to lead a team. And God really gripped our hearts for Romania on that trip and for the young people uh, on that trip. Uh, I don't know how much you know about Romania, but it is a country in Eastern Europe. It can fit into Alberta about two and a half si- uh, times, so it's, it's small, but there's 21 p- million people living there, uh, and about one in five live below the poverty line. Um, the average income is about $200 a month, uh, and it was a communist country, and communism fell in 1989, uh, and so it's been rebuilding since then. Uh, the country is beautiful. If you've ever seen pictures of Romania, it's a beautiful, beautiful country of rolling hills, um, lots of agriculture, and lots of villages. Um, that's primarily where most people live. And Paul and I also live in a village there of about 200 people, and we do ministry there. Um, so the, the country is really beautiful, but it has a huge need for, for ministry. Um, being post-communist, uh, there's a huge need to, for people to know who Jesus is. Um, because there's so many villages in Romania, um, each village has a church. Um, but there's about, in, in our area, we work with the Baptist churches, and there's over 200 churches, but only 65 pastors. So that means every pastor has about five to ten churches. So they go around from village to village every Sunday morning preaching anywhere between three to seven times. There's a lot of work for them to do. Um, And so the reality is they just don't have the capacity to do children's and youth ministry. And so when Paul and I went there in 2011 and we were able to run VBS programs, God just really gripped our hearts for the young people to see that um, they would come to know who Jesus is and that they would be disciples. Um, to be leaders for him. So we got really excited about that, and we approached the North American Baptist Conference to uh, become missionaries under them. And then since 2014, we've been living there. Uh, And day-to-day ministry for us, we are in the churches there helping take some of the load off the local pastors. Um, But we are also focusing, obviously, on discipling the young people. So we have uh, village ministries where we teach English, where we run youth programs, uh, where we do children's ministry. Um, But the big project that we're working on, which you saw in the video, is Camp Falcon Rock. Uh, And we are so excited about this ministry. It has come from the local leadership. They decided that they wanted a camp. They wanted a center where they could bring their churches, pastors could bring their churches, and have everyone be together and have discipleship and evangelistic programs. So the camp is going to serve as a huge uh, facility and center where kids can come and know Jesus. Um, So we are... Stepping into a a big capital campaign, we need to develop the buildings, we need to bring water and sewage systems in, we need cabins, we need all of that. Um, So we're very, very busy with that. Um, But in the meantime, as we are 
working on these building projects, we're still also doing ministry. So this past summer, we had Brentview Baptist Church come out. We had Zion Baptist Church come out, and they helped us run camp programs. Um, so there's lots going on in ministry. I'm going to leave more of the storytelling um, up to Paul. He's going to share more of what we've been doing there this last summer and over the last few years. But thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you for being such incredible supports for us. Um, if you think about us, would you continue to pray um, that young people would come to know the Lord, that uh, there would be fruit from this min last ministry season? Would you pray that uh, we would continue to learn the language? Um, would you pray that uh, that funds would come in to see this camp property built? Um, so please continue to journey with us. Thank you. Well, good morning. We are happy to be here, as Tanya had mentioned. Uh, it's, uh, it's been such a pleasure over the last two years to, to worship in many different languages. We will worship in Hungarian. That's the language that we're mostly speaking and mostly working in, in Hungarian villages. Uh, we're working with Romanians, obviously, because we're in Romania, and then we speak English, and so there can be many times where we hear Romanian, Hungarian, and English in one service, and we're singing together. But it is a joy to come and just sing in English, too. Uh, and so it's, it's nice to sing these, these songs and to pray and to hear Scripture in English. Uh, and with that, I'm going to invite you to stand. I want us to look at a passage this morning from Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 2 through 7. Uh, this is a, a Christmas passage, and I'll explain a little bit later why we're looking at it particularly this morning. But... Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 through 7. Isaiah says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, uh, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we're standing, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage and we thank you for the blessing of being together. Uh, Lord, even coming together from different ends of this world and <clears throat> some of us speaking different languages, Lord, we thank you that we worship you and we look to you, our God. Uh, we look to you, Jesus, who was born 2,000 years ago. And the government rests on his shoulders and, Lord, that you, uh, despite a world that is filled with turmoil and confusion and hardship, we know that you are in control. Uh, we know that you are a great God. And our hope rests in that. And so this morning, Father, we look to you. Uh, we pray that you would be the one speaking to us by your power and by your might and by your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we remember very fondly about two years ago, right before we moved to Romania, being at Camp Caroline. 
Uh, we had the opportunity to be there for the summer, and that was sort of, uh, our parents were very generous. My dad was very generous to allow us to live at camp prior to, to, uh, to moving to Romania. And I remember, uh, again, very fondly, Thornhill Baptist being there in September. I believe it was, and uh, Art approaching me and saying, we would love to spend some time with you this afternoon. Will you come and share? Uh, and just sitting down at a table with many of you sharing about the ministry of Romania, and that was prior to us even leaving, to us stepping foot on the ground, and, and what an encouraging day that was for us to be with you, uh, and, and it's exciting to be able to come back and be uh, here in your sanctuary and be in your church uh, together. And so, uh, as Tanya said, thank you so much for your ongoing support, your ongoing prayer uh, we appreciate it, and, and we really are only doing ministry in Romania because of partnering churches uh, like Thornhill Baptist who come alongside of us and pray for us and encourage us and support us. And so even in the message this morning, even in the stories that we share, as we think about the fruit that's happened even just in a short time over the last two years, that fruit is only happening, number one, because of God. I mean, we can all agree with that. It's by the Holy Spirit and His power and His presence, uh, but number two, because of your partnership, because of partnerships together. Uh, we're only on the ground because you've uh, supported us in that. And so uh, we want you to know how, how thankful we are uh, for you coming alongside of us in that. Uh, it has been, it has been a, a very busy summer for us. It's been a very encouraging summer, summer for us. It's even encouraging to see some of the Brentview team who is just with us uh, the last two weeks um, and as all of us sort of recover from jet lag, hopefully they will stay awake over the next couple minutes. Uh, but, it's, but it's a blessing to be together. Um, I was, Tanya was sharing this story about pastors in Romania and how there's about 65 pastors for 200 churches uh, around Easter time. This past year I was, I was meeting with a pastor and I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I'm tired. And I said, why so tired? And he said, I've preached 20 more times this year than there are days in this year. And at that point, there would have been about 120 days in that year. That meant he was at about sermon 140. And he said, I'm a little, I'm a little tired, pray for strength. Uh, and that is the reality of, of the ministry in Romania. That is the reality that, that we face uh, in, in Romania. And so it's been, it's been a joy to be able to go into many of these villages and serve alongside of these pastors. And even looking at this past summer, uh, we've been in about nine or 10 different villages. Uh, we've been able to have about 18 or 19 different events, VBSs, youth events. Uh, and within that, see over 500 youth and young people just in the last uh, two months. Uh, when Brentview was there, we were able to put on a... a youth concert. And so we invited the churches out and we invited the people out and um, we did an open ministry call. And so we just said, whoever wants to respond to Jesus and, in, bring, and invite Jesus into your life, you can come up. And there's one young guy in our village who, who I know uh, and has been struggling with his faith. He moved away from Romania and is living in another part of Europe. Uh, and and um, he was there as he was in town for that week. And, and many of the team members were even praying for this, this young boy, and he came up, and he's about 20 years old, and tears in his eyes, and he said, I need to give my heart back to the Lord. Uh, and that's the fruit that, that God is doing in Romania as we continue to, to work in these villages, and it's been overwhelming to see what God is doing in the way that he's leading and directing in people's lives and how hearts are changing. Um, this summer, as we've been going to different villages, the theme uh, in the villages that we've been talking about is light. 
we've been sharing that there's a big problem, and that problem is darkness, and everybody's in darkness, but the solution is walking in the light, and that light is Jesus. And that's been the message that we've been able to, to, to share in these villages as we go from village to village and have VBS program and youth programs. And one of the verses that we've been using is this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, where Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And we just clearly say that all of us are in this darkness. And we know that Isaiah is specifically speaking to Israel and they're about to step into this 400 years of darkness and silence. But the, but the truth remains that everybody is born into darkness. Uh, no one is excluded from that, whether, whether you're born in Romania or whether you're born in Canada. Uh, all of us were born in darkness. Um, but Isaiah says they've seen a great light. And that great light is Jesus Christ who has come to bring us hope and come to bring us peace and come to bring us life. And so it has been an encouraging message to, to leave with these children to say, yes, all of us have this problem of darkness, but there is this problem or there is this solution of light and Jesus comes and, and is that light. And that's what I want us to look at this morning is what does it mean that Jesus is the light to us? What does it mean that Jesus is a powerful God who oversees this world and holds the universe in the palm of his hands and wants to work specifically in your life and in my life, the ministry in Romania and the ministry here, Thornhill Baptist and in Calgary. What does that look like in our lives in the midst of a world that is in turmoil and confusion? Uh, and you can see uh, that when you turn on the news. And so as we look at this passage from Isaiah chapter 9, we read this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light and there is hope. In that, on those in the land, the, the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. And so, despite this problem of darkness, there is a solution that the light is coming, and in that solution, we rejoice. Right? In, in the same way that as the harvest comes up and the farmer rejoices that the harvest has come up, and when you live in Romania, this becomes a reality uh, as it's a very rural country and, and people uh, in the villages at least live off of what the harvest produces every year. And you can see that. Tanya, I think, had 80 zucchini that came in this year and she was rejoicing for a little while until she realized, what do I do with 80 zucchinis? And we're giving them away to everybody, including our chickens. But there is, uh, the, the farmer rejoices in the harvest as the harvest comes up. That's, that's what Isaiah is saying about this light that is dawning in the same way that when Jesus comes, we're going to rejoice because of what Jesus is going to do in our lives. In the same way that the farmer rejoices when the harvest comes up. And then the passage goes on and Isaiah uses this very, very interesting story and analogy to explain where he's going with who Jesus is. And I know this is a passage from Christmas, but this Verse, verse 4 is not a verse we normally read at Christmas. We usually skip to verse 6 and 7. But you need to understand verse 4 to truly understand what this passage is getting at. And verse 4 says this, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke 
that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. We don't, we don't generally read those verses because they may not make sense to us and they're not this, this happy-go-lucky Christmas uh, passage that we read from verse 6 and 7. But, but again, these, these two verses are, are foundational to what uh, Isaiah is getting at on who Jesus is. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, Jesus is, sorry, Isaiah is reminding us of the time when Israel was oppressed by Midian. We read this story in Judges chapter 6 and 7, and we read about this problem that Israel was facing. In Judges chapter 6, it, it says, it says this, again, Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So again, as we read about Israel, over and over again, they make mistakes. Over and over again, they fall into sin. And this is one of those times where Midian comes in, and the Lord actually hands them over to Midian because of their ongoing sin. And so Midian has control of them, and the problem is increasing so much that, that Israel is beginning to feel oppressed, and they're beginning to die. And uh, the passage goes on, that because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Malachites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. So now they can't even eat. They're oppressed so much that, that their crops are being taken away from them so they can't eat. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded, invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Midian, or Israel falls into sin. Midian oppresses them. They cannot eat. And now they call out to the Lord. And they say, God, would you come and would you save us? And despite their sin, despite their separation from God, God is a faithful God. He is a loving God. And he responds to their calls. And, he, and if you know this story well, who does God go to? He goes to Gideon. And he calls Gideon, he says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to save the people of Israel from the hand of Midian. What does Gideon say? He says, no, don't use me. He says, my, my clan is the weakest of all of them. Don't, don't call me, call anybody else. But I, but I can't do it. But God goes back to Midian, he says, no. He said, you remember Moses, and you remember how I used Moses to deliver the people of Israel. That was me. That wasn't Moses. I'm going to do the exact same thing here. So raise up your army, get your people, and I'm going to do this. Gideon, you're not going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is going to be by my power, by my grace, by my faithfulness. And so after some convincing and after some time in prayer and after some testing of the Lord, Gideon says, okay, okay, we'll do this. So he pulls all of his, his army together. He pulls all of Israel together. And he comes to the Lord and he says, here are my people 32,000 strong. It's an army of 32,000. We're, we're ready to go. We're weak. We're not very good, but we have 32,000. And what does God do? He looks at them and he says, that's okay, but I want you to get rid of like a third of, or two thirds of them. Just whoever's fearful, whoever has any sense of fear can go. And that was about 22,000 of them and they leave. 
So now, now they're down to about 10,000. Now, this is not strategic. This is not, this, I mean, in our mind, this is not smart. It's kind of like you have the Calgary Flames, right? And, and let me be honest as an Oilers fan, the Calgary Flames are struggling. Like, not, not as bad as Oilers. We can, all, we can all agree on that. There's a lot, we're rebuilding, okay? Since 2006, we're rebuilding. It's still going. 2026, we're still rebuilding. It's going to take a while. But let's take the Calgary Flames. I mean, you guys, it's, it's been a tough go as well for both Alberta teams. So it's kind of like going to Alberta and you're saying, hey, we're not the, like, we are no LA Kings. We are no uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks. You know, we're not uh, the San Jose Sharks. But, but then the coach goes to you, the general manager goes to you and says, well, you're not that good, so take two-thirds of your team and just get rid of them. That'll make you better. I mean, that's not strategic. You try and get better players. You don't try and get rid of them. That's what God does. He's like, just take two-thirds of your, your army and get rid of them. And so Gideon says, okay. Uh, so then he says, here are my you know, 10,000 men that are remaining. And what does God do? He goes back and he says, no, that's still too many. So go and drink water. And depending on how these men drink water, those who, who drink in a certain way are going to stay. And those who drink in another way are not going to stay. And that goes from 10,000 people down to 300. I mean, it was Gideon who said, we're not a strong clan, we're not a strong army, and now he's going from 32,000 to 300 people. That's not strategic, and in a lot of ways it doesn't seem smart, but what is God telling Gideon, and what is God telling Israel, and what is God telling us today, that it's not about the size of your army, it's not about how strong you are, it's about who's in control, and that's me, God. And then he sends them out. And then he does one more strange thing, which I just, I love in this story. He says, if you have any weapons, get rid of them. Like, just don't use them. What I want you to use are three things, trumpets, uh, jars, and torches. That's it. Trumpets, jars, and torches. I mean, now it's like going back to the Calgary Flames and saying, now that you've lost like 99% of your team, you can't even use your sticks. Like, just walk on the ice and yell at the other team, and they'll score on themselves. <laughs> It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. And yet that's what they do. You have 300 men who go forward with these three items and they scream and they blow these trumpets and they smash these jars. And what happens? God defeats them. And he's telling you, it's in my power and it's in my might that this is possible. And that's the exact same thing as, Israel, as Isaiah is writing this passage in Isaiah 9. He said, do you remember the day in Midian, how God defeated the Midianites? How it's by his power and his control. In the same way, it's going to be by his power and his control that you're going to be saved through who Jesus Christ is. That's who Jesus is. That's who this child who is going to be born is. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. If our sin and our separation from God is going to be fixed, it's not going to be by our power and by our strength. It's going to be by God and what he does through his son, Jesus Christ, who comes to this earth, dies on the cross and raises again. It's all in his power. And so in the short time that we have together left, there's just five 
five very brief things I want us to look at and five ways that God has really been speaking about this in our lives, specifically about the way that he's working and the way that he is in control and the way that he wants to work in our lives, what it means that Jesus came and is a powerful, powerful God. We've seen this over and over again in many different ways. And the, the first for us is, is God's control over uh, life circumstances. God's control over everyday events. Jesus speaks very specifically about this in, in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 7. As Jesus begins to talk about worry and how to deal with worry in this world. And in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus comes and he says, yes, life can be stressful, and yes, life can be difficult, but come and lean on me. Come and find strength in me. In the same way that, that, that I provide for the animals and the birds, will I not provide for my children who I love and I care for? Uh, there's a, a couple named Vern and Gloria Wagner. You may remember them from Camp Caroline, and you may know that they were recently signed on as NAB missionaries to join us in Romania. They, they were on a team about a year ago uh, with Central Baptist Church from Edmonton and they came on that team and they were here and they just felt like God was calling them to move there full time and, and it worked really well with the development that we're doing at Camp Falcon Rock. We needed someone on the ground full time to oversee the development, uh, to work with our camp director, Tomish, to work with Tanya and I uh, and so they felt God's call to move there and so as we began to discuss and pray with them and talk with the NAB about whether this was uh, in God's will and whether this was the right decision, they went home and they just said, Lord, if this is where you're calling us, we need you to open the doors wide. Just open the doors wide. And, and there were a couple of things that they really kind of gave to the Lord to say, we need you to do this. And one of them was the sale of their house. They said, if we need to move to Romania, we need to sell our house. Uh, and they had an acreage. And they just said, Lord, would you, would you sell this for us? And they put it on the market, and you know what the market is like these days. They put it on the market, and the next day are sold. And they just felt like, man, God is in control of the details, the, the small details and the big details of life. And, and, and that's, that's the God that we serve. And so even as we step into this week, as we think about all of the stresses in your family and in your work, would you, would you, would you heed the words of Jesus where you just say, I will not worry about life, what I will eat or drink or about my body, because why Christ is in control. And in the same way that God defeated Midian with clay jars trumpets, God can, God can work in our lives in the everyday situations. That's number one, God's control over daily events. Uh, number two, God's control over finances. And I know this can be a big stress in our lives. And as missionaries, this can be a big stress. As we go and develop Camp Falcon Rock, that can be a big stress. Uh, as we begin to raise support for Vernon Gloria to bring them out to Romania so they can be on the, on the ground, that, that's a big stress. Um, but would we just submit to the Lord in this? 
I, I remember being a pastor a number of years at Central Baptist in Edmonton, and, and there was a, a, a young guy that invited me out for lunch, and he asked me a question, and, and I said, what, why do you want me out for lunch? And he said, I want to know, what does the Bible say about how expensive a car I should buy? I don't know of a specific verse about that. And he said, well, there's a $10,000 car I'm looking at buying, and there's a $40,000 car I'm looking at buying, and what would be the biblical choice? And so I gave him some advice, and we began to talk about some other things. And at one point, we were talking, and he's talking about how he wanted to go do missions at some point in his life. And I said, well, we're going to Romania. Why don't you come along for a couple weeks? And he said, oh, I'm in way too much debt to go to Romania. And I was like, well, I think that answers your question about the car. And so when we talk about finances, God calls us to be responsible with our finances. I'm not saying we don't need to be responsible with our finances. We do. We see that over and over in Scripture. At the same time, God calls us to trust Him with our finances. If we lay our finances at His feet and we trust Him with His life, He will provide for us. Uh, when Tanya and I were moving to Romania... It was about a month or two before we left, and we, we felt very strongly that God was calling us to leave in the fall of 2014 when we met with you. Right at the end of October, we felt like that was the time that God was calling us to move there, and I believe it was in, in about September uh, when we looked at sort of our overall support, and we thought, this is, we're not even close. Uh, and we just felt like that's what God was calling us to, and we began to pray about it, and, and I was even challenged at a, at a conference that we were at where somebody just said, do you believe God is big enough to do that thing that's on your heart and mind that you feel like he's not big enough to handle? And I said, for me, that's finances right now, of us getting to Romania. And so I just laid that at his feet. And a week later, we went to Sacramento to meet with the NAB and they said, hey, in a week, you've raised your entire support. You guys can leave at, at the end of October. And again and again, we just saw God provide for us in that. And so would we continue to trust him with our finances? Thirdly, God's control over government authorities. And this is a big one even now. <laughs> as we look at the landscape in, in Canada, uh, as we look at the American uh, political system, which I'm sure all of us feel really good about, <laughs> I don't think I need to say much more about that. This is a big one. Uh, and we've experienced it in Romania. Uh, there is uh, even a fellow that's here this morning, a family that, that is from Romania that was on our team from Brentview, uh, and he can tell you the stories of what it was like to, to live in Romania during communism and to have a government uh, that, that seems out of control in a lot of ways. It was a very difficult time for Romania, and even as they continue to rebuild, there's a lot of times where we have to trust the Lord with the, the government system in Romania, even though it seems like a very big task. There's other missionaries in Romania that we've gotten to know, and he was telling me a story recently about uh, reapplying for his visa application, which is a very difficult process to do in Romania. And he was there with his family, and they have two children, and they were leaving the country, and they had to do it on that day, or they wouldn't have been allowed back in the country for about three or six months, and they had to do it. And so they go to the government office and they just felt like for them, they had to pray for whoever was in charge that day. And so they began to pray for whoever was in charge and they showed up to the government office. They submitted their paperwork and the government office just said, no, we will not process this today. We will do this and it will take a week or two, but 
uh, we can't do it today. And he said, no, we have to. He said, we're leaving the country. Uh, we, we've been in this process for a number of months to be able to leave. If we don't do it today, we won't be allowed in for three or six months. And they just said, no, no, we won't do it. And so he just sat there and he began to pray. And he said, Lord, you are in control over the government. You're in control over the system. We, we trust you with this. Uh, and, and they kind of kept asking him to leave that building. And he said, no, uh, I need to continue to pray for whoever's in charge. And, and as they were closing the door on that evening, the person who was in charge walked through and she said, what's, what's the issue? And he explained it to her and she sat down with him and said, oh, I can approve that. And she approved it. Uh, over and over again, we've seen this, even as, as we've been applying for permits at the camp to be able to do development. There's been a major permit that we had to apply for that, that can take years and, uh, and in a lot of cases will never even go through. And over and over again, God showed up in those court appearances where he just said, no, I'm leading this. It's not about you and it's not about your abilities. It's about me and my power and how I'm in charge. And we just continue to have to put our faith in him. And so even as we look around at Canada, as we look around around North America, in a time of turmoil, would we say, God, you are in control of the government. Ultimately, whatever happens, we serve a God who is above whoever the presidential candidate or whoever the president will be. You are in control. And we put our hope and our faith in you and it's of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Christ is the ruler and supreme authority. Uh, number four, and this has been a big one for us, is God's control over life or death. Uh, one of our First couple months of being in Romania, there was a day where um, we heat our home with wood in Romania. Uh, that's one thing that I miss about Canada is thermostats. Thermostats are a beautiful thing that you can just go and turn up and it turns your house to 20 or 21 degrees. In Romania, you got to go chop wood, haul it into your basement, put it in, in the boiler in the wood furnace, and that heats up your home. And it's a bit of a, bit of a process. And so one day, uh, the boiler was going. It was a cold day. And, and I heard something from the basement. And I thought, I should go check that out. And so I walked to the basement, went to the boiler. And, and I didn't know much about boiler systems uh, I'm a pastor, I'm not a plumber. And so I looked at it and, and all I was told was you put wood in this thing, you burn it and it will get warm and it will heat your home. There's a pressure gauge, don't let that go above two. That's all I knew about it. Not how to fix it, but just don't let the pressure gauge go above two. So I went down to the, the boiler unit and the pressure gauge was at four. And I thought, well, that's a little high. And, and the only thought in my mind was I should go get some tools. That's what men do. They have tools in their hand. So I thought, if I have tools in my hand, I'll be able to fix this. I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but I should just go get tools. And so I thought I should leave the room instantly or quickly to go get tools and come back. And so I stepped out of our boiler room into our basement, closed the door behind me, and took two steps, and the boiler exploded. Uh, and I was on the ground, and all of our windows shattered, and the lights went out, and there's water from the boiler everywhere. Uh, and... I was covered in glass and water, and I stood up and ran upstairs, and Tanya was upstairs and said, what just happened? And I said, I don't know. And so we went back down and had to put the fire out. But um, when we thought about that situation afterwards, if I had been in that room where the boiler exploded, I would have been hit by boiling water and the fire and the furnace. And we have no idea what would have happened at that point. But God led me out of there uh, into a place of safety. And Tanya and I spent time praying that night, and we just said, God is in control. Over life and death, he is in, in control. And, and that's been a reality in our family. And it's been, been tough since we've moved to Romania. Tanya's sister was in a horrific car accident about a year ago. 
Uh, and when we got the phone call, it, it sounded like she wasn't going to make it through the night. And we just had to sit there in Romania and pray for the family and her. Uh, and then the next call said, she's going to make it, but um, uh, there's a 99% chance she'll be brain damaged for the rest of her life. Uh, and God healed her. And she's doing well now. And she's going back to university and driving a car and getting back to normal life. And God has been faithful in the midst of that. Um, as many of you know, my brother is diagnosed with cancer, which was very difficult to receive that news in Romania, in particularly with the, the severity of it. And yet God has been faithful in his life. And over and over again, we've just been reminded that God is in control of life and death, and that is nothing that we have control over. But would we trust him for the eternal nature of who he is, and that if we do die, we will see him face to face, and that will be a glorious day. And if we don't die, as Paul says, then we continue to serve him, right? We have, we have two choices, as Paul says in Philippians chapter one. We either serve him here, or we go and serve him when we go home. That's it. And are we willing to do that? Are we willing to serve him here and just say, Lord, whether I die or whether I live, I'm going to serve you. And if I, do, if I die, then I'm going to go worship you at home. And then lastly, as our time comes to an end, God is control over this kingdom, over his kingdom of bringing people to himself. What does Jesus pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's in control of that. And that's been comforting for Tanya and I as, we, as we've moved to Romania and as we've seen the development of Camp Falcon Rock and even gone to villages and villages and, and had the opportunity to, to speak to many, many young people and run youth events. And uh, Tanya's been discipling and teaching English to many young people in our village. Uh, over and over again, we just say, Lord, it's your kingdom. Would you build it? And my prayer for you is you would be able to say the same thing in your family. You'd say, Lord, my family, is, is, that's your kingdom. Would you build my family? My workplace, that's your kingdom. Would you use me to build your kingdom? My church, that's your kingdom. Would, would you use me to build that? That we would put our hope and our trust in him in that, and he will build it. Uh, last year, we ran an entire uh, program, and it was our last day, and we had a team with us, uh, and there was one young guy in our village who uh, hadn't been with us the entire summer. Uh, but he spoke English, and we were down a translator, and so we invited him to come with us to translate on this last day. And so he, he jumped in the van, and he came with our team to another village, and we did a children's program, and he translated for us. And, and we didn't think much of it. It was, a, it was a good day, and we were really thankful he translated for us. And three or four months later, he was baptized, um, which seemed normal for his age and uh, growing up in the church. And he shared his testimony, and he said, it was that day that I went to VBS. He said, I, gr I grew up in the church. I'd been in the church for 18 years. I had the opportunity to give my life to Christ many, many times. He said, when I went to VBS on that day, I had the opportunity to respond to the gospel as a translator, and I gave my life to the Lord. And, and I remember thinking as, our, as a ministry team, and we just said, that wasn't our plan. Uh, our plan wasn't to bring this boy along so that, that he would give his life to Christ. We needed a translator, and he came along. That was it. And yet God's kingdom is so much greater than ours. He's got plans way beyond ours. And that's where our hope and our trust is. And, and so even as we go back to Romania at the beginning of September, as we're, we're spending this week at Camp Caroline, uh, speaking at high school camp, which is we're looking forward to as wow, we just say, Lord, it's your kingdom. And would you build it? We're just, we're just servants of yours in this. You're the one that's in control. And so for that family member that doesn't know Christ, for that person that you've been praying for, that friend that doesn't know Christ, 
God is in control. And would we believe that, that he is big enough and strong enough and has enough love and mercy that, that he will answer those prayers and that we would respond to him in that. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Lord, we thank you that you are in control. And in that, there's hope and there's life, there's salvation in you. Lord, we don't want to be lazy in this. You call us to be servants. You call us to, to act and to work. But what we do want to do is rest in you. We want to trust in you. We want to have our hope in you and know that it's you that is building your kingdom, whether that's in Romania or whether that's in Calgary. All around the world, you are building your kingdom. And so would we put our hope and our trust in the things that you have for us. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.